0: This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego.
1: Welcome, welcome, welcome. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Great to be with you again today. We've got a lot to cover. We'll get an update on the immigration situation with a Numbers USA Vice President Chris Shimolinsky in just a moment, and we will also... Uh, have a chance uh, to hear from Ted Malik. He's got a new piece up on failed states. That's a term that the internationalists love to use. Such and such is a failed state. They mean like countries, nations that are failing. And uh, Ted turns it on its head, takes a look at some of our failed states as in the United States. So we'll talk with Ted Malik, always entertaining. All right. Uh So what you need to know today, I want to tell you, I want to describe for you um a tension that's occurring that I'm not sure how it's going to be resolved. It used to be that if you had a position of governmental authority and you were therefore in power, you could make news. Meaning if you were, say, the Oversight Committee Chairman and you had uh, the opportunity as Oversight Committee Chairman like uh, uh, Congressman Comer, and you could make you could call witnesses and have hearings you could make news and therefore you could drive an agenda and i think people like me i think i would have been consistent in saying that driving that agenda is it can be consistent with oversight that's what a house uh, member is doing when they're well on the oversight committee but also when they're uh you know, in the minority, otherwise, you know, the Senate is, uh, Democrat, the House, the, the, uh, executive branch, is Democrat. This is a way to shine a light on things. I think I would be consistent. I hope I would be in saying that's what Democrats can do too when they have only one, uh, House, uh, one chamber or one aspect of things. So there's this, uh, Congressman Comer and he's the head of the oversight committee. And so here's the tension. One, if you can't get coverage of what you are doing, Does it really matter? And it does, I think. If you're doing oversight on, say, financial services and you're trying to find out why the regulators did not have a feel for uh, Silicon Valley Bank, then you're doing something substantively that's governing that's good. But if you're trying to lead with the so-called bully pulpit and you can't get any coverage from the media, it's not going to matter. In a few moments, we'll talk with Chris Shimolinsky. One of the reasons I'm talking to him is because there was a hearing at the border of the Homeland Security Committee and the media didn't cover it because in large part, the Democrats boycotted it. it. Didn't show up at all. And it's a field hearing. It's a little different than the main hearings that happen in the U.S. in the, in the U.S. Capitol. But still the point is, if you're trying to drive the bully pulpit, if you're trying to drive a message from the bully pulpit and you can't get the media to cover it, can you really lead that way? And the answer may be no. And therefore it may be that the Republicans will never really be able to be the leaders in that aspect of things and they have to fall back on so-called governing actually looking for oversight and finding oversight and then referring things for either legislation and winning the argument about legislation or referring it for other kinds of uh, uh, uh other kinds of investigations or even prosecution but comes now Jamie Raskin who's now in the minor- minority and he's on the oversight committee with Congressman James Comer and Co- House oversight committee chairman Comer it turns out was sending subpoenas to certain key people uh, due to, in this case, due to the Hunter Biden uh, investigation, at least one financial institution to say, Hey, what's going on with what we're seeing here. Lots of money transfer to, I don't know, Ukraine, Burisma and China and others. We want to, and even some Russian uh, oligarchs. We want to get some sort of uh, uh, clarity on this, but here's Raskin leak that. Raskin, he did it in a clever way. Raskin sent a letter to Comer and he said, Hey, you've been subpoenaing people. What about us? And then he, uh, Raskin put the letter out into the public and the media then ran and said to Comer, you've been subpoenaing people because there's no, Comer didn't do a press release. Comer didn't announce what his plan was. Comer didn't uh, signal what his investigation was. And so Raskin is playing sort of the bully pulpit defense but he gets media coverage. He's got a willing media. So Comer doesn't Comer, the Republican chair doesn't have the aid of the uh, overs of the media, even though he's got the power of the oversight chairmanship, but Raskin does. And so you end up with a set of stories about what Raskin wanted and how Raskin wanted to drive the message. And I guess my point here is, you know, even though the, um, even though the Republicans have come into so-called power in the House and they have thought, ah, we've got two ways to influence what's going on. One is, uh, the bully pulpit. That may be out the window because if you can't get the bully pulpit covered by the media, you kind of lost that leg, that, that, uh, that, uh, a- aspect of your work. The second one is pure oversight that hopefully wins, as I mentioned, to, uh, hopefully leads, as I mentioned, to legislation and filing legislation and winning the ideas, the battle of ideas uh, out in the uh, amongst your colleagues. And perhaps in the public. Again, it's a it's a major problem that we have seen the media degenerate into such partisan uh, warfare. And and I'm not even talking about when they take a position. The, the the media seems, for example, to be for uh, women's right to choose and against the pro-life position. It seems like that. I'm not sure. I'm not saying it's 100%, but it seems like even the coverage of the framing of that issue. Some of us are for banning the killing of babies that are born nine months or just one day short of nine months, a partial birth abortion. That seems like a real killing we want to stop as opposed to being against women's right to choose or women's health care. But my point is how they cover things. It seems so partisan these days and what they cover is clearly so partisan. And so the agenda is driven by the media who are accepting or are generating the talking points and the, (coughs) pardon me, and the viewpoints of the Democrats It's a major problem. And I I believe that the problem is worse now than it ever was. Because in the past, it may have been that the media was largely biased, but they were more subtle about it. And so a guy like Newt Gingrich was able to actually dominate, uh, messaging in various aspects of the, uh, of his, uh, uh, of his time as speaker uh, in various aspects of the media. He was actually able to do that. Now it was a different era in terms of the the, the the types of media you know Newt Gingrich was only dealing with you know three or four networks and um, and cable and talk radio. he wasn't dealing with what we've got now, which is you know all this action, all of this content which uh, is being driven and and all the time and so it's a different world I, I I admit, but the biggest part of the different world, in my opinion, is how blatantly, how dramatically. The media has gone over uh, to the other to to, to being uh, in favor of one side from the coverage that they give to the positioning of it, to the failure to critique things. Joe Biden had a gaffe the other day where he talked about giving the eulogy at Jimmy Carter's funeral. Jimmy Carter's not dead. That that was like offensively ugly. And they covered it. They barely covered it. if, If Trump had said that, it would have been like a story for a week. I'm not sure that would have been good or bad. I'm saying it was ugly. You know, uh, the, the press secretary in the White House is, is fully incompetent, an incompetent person, it, it just incompetent in her job. And it's not covered because she checks a lot of the boxes and she says what they want to say. And so it's, um, it's hard to see how to adjust the plan to lead. And, you know, uh, as someone said, um, just a few months after uh, Rush Limbaugh died, you, you can't, you almost can't know the impact of Rush being gone because Rush had the ability to be sort of the super communicator to, I don't know, the, the center right for sure, but lar- large portions of America that were not even particularly conservative listened to Rush Limbaugh. They followed Rush Limbaugh and they followed his logic. And so you're watching sort of. As they proceed, you're watching in sort of real time the adjustment of the Republicans to the power and leadership that they have. And it's not easy. It's not easy. And, you know, the uh, Raskin story I told you about this letter that Raskin did, it's not like that's the biggest deal, right? That was not the that's not the biggest story. It's not the biggest anything. But it's an example I could see right away that Raskin, by his letter, could drive the agenda and the media would participate and the media would participate in the direction he wanted and be framing the sets of stories for uh, Chairman Comer. And if you, maybe you're a watchdog and you say, oh, this is better. We don't want the person in power, the oversight chair, to have too much power. But it didn't work the other way. When the Democrats were in charge, it didn't work the other way. It, it, it's, it's one-sided is the problem, even if you think you know more attention is better. So it's a problem. It's a problem for Republicans. I'm not sure they know how to address it yet. All right. That's what you need to know. The uh, problem in messaging. Let's take a break. We'll be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Back in a moment. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Time to check in with Ted Malick. Ted Malick, of course, is a well-known author, uh, he is a businessman. He has uh, taught all over the world at some of the finest institutions. And he is a, uh, a columnist and has been writing uh, frequently, at least once, often twice a week, uh, over on different sites, especially recently, One American News, com, their commentary page. He's got a piece up from a couple of days ago, our own failing states, our own failing states. Um, uh, welcome back, Ted. How are you?
2: Um, quite well. Thanks, Ed.
1: I was interested in this one we were talking off the air because in international relations as you point out at the very beginning of this this is a term that's been used failed states the idea that there's uh failed states um and kind of the the it's 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 in vogue to to talk about that about places that cannot keep control of their uh own uh, people, their own economy, their own, uh, I guess nation. Before we get into more of the, uh, mm-hmm. of the meat of the article, didn't they used to, I mean, you would have described a lot of the developing nations, say 30 or 40 or 50 years ago, Latin America and other places as quote unquote failed states. They couldn't govern their populace, right? I mean, is there, is, is, well, is, is, is some
2: of them were to give them, uh, a measure of, uh, uh, of, support were were developing so they had come out of colonialism you know they were building their economies they were underdeveloped was the term so-called ldcs Uh, and and to be honest um and and, you know i'm very trained in this field of international political economy this is a somewhat controversial subject because those on the left never liked this concept um but I, th- I think objective analysts, political scientists, uh, students of international relations basically said, yeah, there are some characteristics and not all developing countries by any means, you know, fit into these um, I- into these frameworks, uh, which describe, you know, a degree of fragility, in some case, actual, actual, actual failure.
1: Uh, we're talking again with uh, Ted Malik. Okay, so now uh, down to today. I mean, the uh, the uh, political scientists, as you point out, will use um, these uh, these talk about failed states, and they'll refer to all this list of of uh, I don't know indices uh, about what what, they, what right. they have to have to be failed. Right. Walk us through that.
2: Yeah, so we build indices, and we can quantify this to some extent, which gives us then lists, and you can actually rank order the lists. So we're talking about, you know, fractionalized elites, group grievance, economic decline, poverty, uneven development, human flight, brain drain, lack of legitimacy, poor public services, human rights abuses, no rule of law, demographic pressures, refugees, displaced persons, external intervention. I mean, that that's kind of the nature of the list. And when you put all that together, you come up with some, uh, well, these statistics obviously change over time, but... They basically give you country ra- rankings. So if we were to look at failed states today, it would include places like Yemen, uh, Somalia, Syria, South Sudan, Central African Republic, Congo, uh, Sudan, Afghanistan, Chad, Myanmar, Haiti, certainly right. Guinea, Mali, Zimbabwe. I mean, the list goes on and on. So, you know, you can see where you fall on this axis. And there are, you know, a bunch of you know pretty deplorable places uh, grouped together on the bottom.
1: Well, and and the point is that the at the bottom of this list, uh, you, these <coughs> rankings, then you end up with a bunch of places. Again, to my point, they if they may be failed states, they look st- uh, somewhat similar to the developing nations. But there we are. But here's where the pivot in, in your piece. It's uh, fun again. We're talking with Ted Malekin and his pieces over at One America News oann dot com. I'll put it up on social media. Our own failing states pivot in and say, okay, if you're going to look outward and judge, uh, you know, uh, uh, South Sudan so harshly or Chad, why don't we do that in america and uh yeah. the first this well, is,
2: you, my, argue, this is yeah. my argument you got right. it so <laughs> let's turn these uh yeah angles and these statistics these indices to some degree right we're applicable on our own u.s states and you know look at things like who has the highest crime rate which state is the poorest which state uh has the worst infant mortality which states have the highest tax burden which states you know, have the worst infrastructure, which states have the highest unemployment, which states fail to control the border. Well, that's just about all. Of them now, yeah, yeah. where is the breakdown of the family, the school, civic life, life manifest? which states have the highest drug addiction and overdose rates? I mean, you know, in other words, you could take some of this and then say, well, let's focus on the U.S. and see what we get. It's an interesting idea. It is. Well, and especially you start to look at them. Let's
1: let, you know, go through a couple of these. Um, uh, and, and it's top of mind for a lot of folks right now is, um, you know, is the highest crime rate. Well, that's DC hands down. It's like, it's a lawless. I was, uh, with somebody, uh, in the last 24 hours who's talking <clears throat> about armed robbery in her otherwise, uh, respectable neighborhood. I mean, it's, it's, it, you know, California, San Francisco and all that. But, uh, it, you know, Ted, i w- ask you about these, some of these other ones. Uh, or a state in the U.S., well, Mississippi, Louisiana, New Mexico, worst infant mortality rates, Arkansas, South Dakota, Oklahoma. It's it, At this point, later in the piece, you will argue that California sort of wins going away in terms of it. does, of the,
2: it does. But there are other states yeah. that um, that suffer yeah. uh, particularly from poverty indexes. And from um, you know poor conditions, and and uh, you know I think the new governor of Arkansas is, is struggling to overcome some of that. And and uh, in a place like Texas, which used to have a very low educational ranking, the governor has brought it up you know very significantly, and and I believe into the top ten states in the country. So it can, some of these things can be turned around with the right emphasis, the right policy, and of course money.
1: Right, right. Well, and then we get to the next one. The highest tax burden, California, by far. Uh, it is. And, and, I mean, it's not even close. Uh, and then worst infrastructure next. California ranks high on all, on that. You know, and I mean, you go down this. By the time you get to the end of it, you're basically saying uh, California, uh, again, leads the nation in a bad way in these categories. Uh, you know, let's talk about failed states. Looks like California is the winner.
2: California, in 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 my view, the so-called golden state is not very golden anymore. Uh, So if you look at statistic after statistic, it's falling. It's last among some states in some categories. It's not a model to copy. This is my point. It's not a success. And here's the proof. People are moving away in droves. So I I found online, this is kind of clever. I like this kind of stuff. There's a, a new party game which asks the players to guess the 50 reasons why california is the worst state. <laughs> <laughs> oh really? That's kind of that is kind so of So have weird. a party and and you know get this little game out.
1: Um but but um Ted if you were to pull back then now like you would yourself as you observe the world when the when these uh, indices are thrust upon other nation nations mm-hmm. uh what is the what is the I don't know what what are the what are the common characteristics of these failed states. I mean, you know, it's one thing to aim your uh, aim your rhetorical gun like these people want to at at places, um, you know, like uh, again Sudan or or Chad. Well, I think it's kind of a, a, a parlor game for the the leftists and the world elites to say, look at how bad it is over there. We're doing great in France. Well, not so much, but but certainly Paris, for example, or in this case uh, California. Go even down further into California and say. go to San Francisco, where the lawlessness is so out of control, they're now on to reparations. So what's the – There
2: are some American cities that are unlivable, quite a few, not just for violence. So that's a a subcategory, not just states but cities. And, um, I mean, Victor Davis Hanson, who I think we like and is quite spot on most of the time I end with his quotation, he says, a polarity of importing massive poverty from south of the border – while pandering to those who control unprecedented wealth in Silicon Valley, Hollywood, the tourism industry, and the marquee universities, massive green regulations, boutique zoning, soaring taxes, increasing crime, identity politics, and tribalism, and racial and radical one-party progressive government are force multipliers for California. My conclusion is the consequences (laughs) that California has now actually... Become the rival of these, uh, yeah. to use uh, Trump's terminology, just <laughs> not political science shithole yeah. countries.
1: Yeah, it, well, and 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 the and the, again, my my back to my point. If you didn't have the weather in California, I think you'd have nobody there. I mean, people <laughs> stomach a lot of the uh, problems because of the weather in the ocean. But but you know, I, I, you you did refer to the Texas sort of change direction. I'm not sure some of these places, it's so endemic. And again, I don't want to pick on Chad or somewhere, but it's so endemic, the corruption and the management of the, of the culture and the economy by government. I'm not sure you're ever going to turn around. I think that's true of California.
2: Well, California went from, you know, the glory years of of the Reagan days to um, yeah, this uh, present state. So That took three decades to get there. It would probably take three decades to get out of the hole. But if you have a one-party, radical, democratic, socialist government that controls everything, then, yeah, it's not so different than Venezuela
1: yeah all right well it's a good piece clever uh clever topic again ted malika the the title of this one uh is over uh by the way one american news o a n n dot com our failings our own failing states turning this uh uh international relations uh use of indices on on america and taking a hard look thanks ted as always good enough Ed. All right, we'll take a break, everybody. We'll be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Don't forget, I'll put over on social media links to his, uh, to that column and to another one he's got coming up. Oh, I meant to ask him what his next one is. I, I know, uh, but you all don't yet, so we'll get that. And I also will put a link to uh, those indices that he referred to, which is also embedded in his piece, but I'll put it up again. It's One America News uh, commentary. They do they have a page that's got commentary on it, guest commentary, and others, uh, oann.com slash commentaries. Check them out. Uh, I'm a fan of OANN.com, One America News. We'll take a break. We'll be right back. Ed Martin. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Our friend, Chris Chemelinsky, who's over at Numbers USA, uh, vice president over there. Uh, I got an email that he had some of the inside scoop on what's going on over on Capitol Hill, now that there's divided government, at least in the Congress, you've got, uh, Republicans having a Homeland Security meeting, a committee meeting, for example, a hearing, uh, House, the House Homeland Security Committee. And now the Democrats in the minority are not happy. And in this case, they are planning the, 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 uh, uh hearing has been focused on the immigration question. Of course, homeland security seems to fit there. But in an interesting twist, the Democrats are, are boycotting, but they also invited uh ICE officials to attend. So first of all, Chris Shimolinsky, welcome back.
3: How are you? You and well, thanks for having me back on.
1: Uh you're welcome and thanks for taking the time. I know you're uh you're out and about and uh covering a lot of these issues. Numbersusa.org by the way, numbersusa.org is the website. Tons of resources there. First of all, um Chris, uh, tell us how uh new leadership in the house means there's hearings like are going on and what that means and what the broadly speaking what what the light uh that's shining upon this you know means
3: right yeah this is about the fourth hearing i believe that house republicans have had in this new congress since they've taken over uh the the gavel in the house um Both down at the border and in Washington, D.C. combined. So and you've got both two different committees in the House that sort of have jurisdiction over the border situation. You have House Judiciary, which oversees immigration issues, and then you have Homeland Security, which oversees border security issues. And, And that's that's who's holding this field hearing. Down at the border, the the House Homeland Security uh, Committee. So you know they're down there, they're on the ground. They want to see what's happening with their own eyes, and they want to talk to the people on the ground. It's one thing to have the hearings in D.C. and bring people in. It's a totally different situation to be able to see firsthand what some of these people that they're bringing in to testify uh, with your own eyes to see what they're to what they're saying. Have it match the. Match the visuals that they're seeing at the same time. Uh, you know, it's pretty impactful to do it this way. Um, you know, unfortunately, not all the House Democrats are are on board with this situation. Um, but the border is is something that they would prefer to avoid and not get involved with. I think.
1: Right. Well, Christian sure. Malinsky is our guest, and 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 that's uh, mentioned uh, the uh, the uh, hearing is down at the southern border and they'll be here you know just a couple of days ago was it last week um we had a, a, over a thousand i think the estimates were a thousand or so of the migrants they rushed one of the bridges down by el paso um we have had reports of uh the, the numbers uh, surging, You know, there's a, a federal court hearing, excuse me, a federal court ruling that uh, the policies of the Biden administration catch and release, which has been sent out like a bat signal, like the Biden bat signal to all over the world was come to the border in America. You Once you get across, they'll take your name and they'll let you loose into America. You may or may not ever have to show up at anything. So there's a lot, as you point a lot of reason to have a, vi- a visual. Uh, what's the uh, and, 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 you know, we don't know if anything will pass the Senate. So these are these are the. Uh, Uh, This is part of making the argument and getting people talking about it. Um, Chris, your experience, Numbers USA, Vice President Chris Jimolinsky. it still doesn't seem like it's getting as much attention. I mean, I I just don't – it's amazing to me that this is as big a a border-ish set of issues we've had in 30 years, and it's just not getting uh, mainstream media coverage.
3: It's it's really amazing. I mean, the numbers that we have seen – Sustained for the last two years, and 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 just for your listeners' benefit, uh, the the it's not official yet, but the unofficial reports for for border apprehensions by border patrol agents in February is is still in the one hundred and twenty five thousand range. This is significantly above normal levels, and while it's not as high as some of the other months that we've seen, it's still a really high number, especially when you compare them historically. And we only had a month or two of numbers approaching 100,000 under the Trump administration. And you would have thought that the that the border had just disappeared and then, and, and that the Trump administration was doing nothing down there. Um, but this has been going on. It's been sustained for two years. Very, very little reporting. But it's interesting because every single time the Biden administration makes an announcement on how they're going to pivot to address the border situation that gets front page news coverage. Yeah. But when a report comes out that they've apprehended 150,000 people, you know, crickets, you can't find it anywhere.
1: Well, and that's right. And, uh, and even, you know, it's almost so clearly dishonest, um, Media coverage is some of the ways the Biden administration is reporting the numbers. We've had on other guests that have explained, you know, they're 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 fudging the numbers to try to make you feel. And it's being reported st- like a like a straight man in comedy that the media covers and doesn't doesn't say, oh wait, there's still just as many coming across. It's just they're only reporting this number over here. They changed the definition now. And and one after another of these examples. What about the Democrats? Um, completely boycotting the Homeland Security hearing at the border. Is that? Uh, in the in the in the idiot world of Congress, is that common? <laughs> Did the Republicans skip hearings? Is this something because obviously they can't be sitting there and have the coverage and have these stories. I don't think because the Democrats end up having to sort of eat all of Biden's policies. But is this is this common? And is it uh, uh, does that is that what you'd expect or is this kind of surprising and a bit uh beyond the pale?
3: For a field hearing, it doesn't it doesn't shock me. You've got members of Congress. They're at home this week. They're meeting with their constituents. They've got town halls planned. So while this was on the calendar, um, you know, even though it would be on the taxpayers dime, uh, You know, this isn't something that the members of Congress wanted to do. They want to be at home in their districts, at least yeah. Democratic members do. Yeah, yeah. A lot so, of them, the, the Republican members are a little bit more motivated to to find out what's happening down there, expose what's happening and just try to find out some solutions from the people on the ground, potential solutions from people on the ground. So it it doesn't surprise me. But the thing is, is we have seen Democrats skip over hearings that are that are in D.C. And that's that's a little bit more surprising, a little bit more unusual. You don't get perfect attendance at some of these committee hearings. Members have other things going on. They sit on multiple committees. So sometimes those committee hearings conflict with others They have to sort of pick and choose. So that's not surprising. But they have. Uh, there have been some some instances where they've they've completely skipped some of these some of these border hearings that the Republicans have had. And 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 it's unusual. But again, it just it just lends to the amount of attention that that the Democratic establishment right now, they just want to pretend like there's nothing going on at the border. There's nothing to see there. Biden administration has it under control. There's more pressing issues facing the country right now. Well, that's you know, the way I think yeah, they, yeah, we, they view it.
1: You know, we're talking with Chris Chalinsky at Numbers USA and NumbersUSA.org is the website. You go there. That the Numbers USA doesn't really care. If you're a Republican and you're bad on some of these policies, they're happy to critique Republicans. They're about the policies and, and the and the uh lower immigration levels and the conversation on this. So I, I give you that credit, Chris. And 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 but but here's what I'd say. Um you know, the Democrats, you have to give them credit for this. On a field hearing like this, if they don't show up at all, if any one of them shows up, it becomes a story about the conflict, right? Because you'd expect a Democrat who's sitting there to say, oh, that's not totally true. You know, that's one sided. Not showing up gives the excuse unfair, though it may be for the media to uh, to to ignore it. And they will. Uh, They want to anyway. Do you expect, Chris, that some of these types of hearings, and maybe they've already been taken place, will also take place in sort of what would be called regular order and, and not field ones, but over in the Capitol and in the setting where the absence of members would be more jarring and more obvious? Can you hear me, Chris? I think I lost him for a second. Oh, there he's coming back. Hold on. Um, there we, we we lost Chris for a moment, and here he is coming back. Um, so Chris, I'm not sure. Chris, I'm not I'm not sure how much of that question you had me, me asking, but I, I did you hear me say that the Democrats skipping the hearing sort of guarantees that the media can ignore it, and and can we expect that there'll be hearings up in cap on Capitol Hill and in the Capitol that will be more. Uh, sort of obvious that Democrats are skipping and make it sort of necessary that they be there. Maybe they've already had some of those hearings.
3: They they have. And there's been a little bit of attention on the, on the hearings that they've had in DC. Um, you know, it's, it's sort of a catch 22 though, because you know, that the, the hearings that they know that the media will concentrate on, they're going to show up for those. They're going to make sure that right. they're there and they're present and the, and, and the cameras see them um, you know the the meetings that aren't going to garner a whole lot of media attention um you know they're they they can skip over those <laughs> and there's really no penalty uh for for them skipping them because nobody knows about it unless they hear about things uh, uh hear about the situation on, on on shows like yours you know so You know, I think we'll eventually see some legislation brought to the floor by the House Republicans, and that will have to go through the committees. And when they have hearings on those individual bills and eventually markups, I think you'll see a little bit better participation from the Democrats.
1: Yeah, there you go. I think that's so well. But at least, uh, at least uh, some of uh, some of the um, uh, members of Congress are on offense in the direction of I think what many of us think is one of the uh, major problems issues that's uh, facing our country every single day, every hour, and and getting uh, not as much attention by design by the Democrats and uh, and I think by the media. But um, but at least we're playing offense to get the word out. So hey, thanks, Chris, Christian Malinsky. I'm out of time again. numbers at NumbersUSA.org. There's a lot of there there. Lots of information. Also resources sources on the policies and others check it out numbersusa.org thanks chris thank you all right we will take a break we'll be right back Uh, sorry for that hiccup there and i'm glad we got chris back so quickly so we'll be right back it's ed martin here on the pro america report back in a moment
4: this is the phyllis schlafly report a daily broadcast from phyllis schlafly eagles a national volunteer organization founded by phyllis schlafly and continuing to uphold her legacy by opposing radical feminism and representing a traditional, conservative perspective in our nation's capital. And now, from the archives of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, here is Phyllis Schlafly.
5: The real gender gap in our country is how boys are not doing as well as girls in elementary and high school. This leads to lower high school graduation rates, lower matriculation by young men to college, and even increased criminal activity by boys. Nationwide, 57% of all college students are women, and only 43% are men. If it were not for engineering programs and college football, more than 60% of all college students would be women. Now researchers at MIT and other colleges have performed a study that explains why boys are increasingly underachieving as teenagers and why there's a growing gender gap of girls doing better than boys in college. It's the absence of a father in a home that hurts boys more than it hurts girls. Researchers studied 10 years of administrative records for Florida students who had birthdays between 1992 and 2002. The researchers found that family disadvantages, which include not having a father in the home, began harming boys more than girls even before they reached kindergarten. The increased harm to the development of boys worsens through elementary and middle school, as is shown by boys' poor academic achievement and greater social problems. By high school, the gender gap is devastating. All-boy public schools, which exist in some areas but are being challenged by liberals, can provide boys with helpful role models that do not exist in most single-mom homes or in most public schools where the teachers are almost all women. Treating boys and girls the same certainly does not result in similar achievement. Treating boys and girls the same causes a gender gap with too few young men becoming achievers. And that's not good for either girls or boys.
4: This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. For more than 50 years, Phyllis led the fight against the dead-end road of radical feminism. Today, with the rise of so many savvy young conservative women, new voices are emerging. You're invited to voice your opinion on what's really important to women at phyllisschlafly.com. That's phyllisschlafly.com. Thanks for listening, and join us again for the Phyllis Schlafly Report.
1: Welcome back, welcome back, Ed Martin here on the Pro America Report, and uh, just to prove, just to prove the department the dep- that the Department of Justice is not going to stop when they're embarrassed by the. Um, Proud Boys trial this past week that had uh, looks like FBI agents not telling the whole truth. And and uh, of course, the the Tucker Carlson coverage where it's clear that there's nothing about an insurrection here. There may have been some people that rioted. It looked like that Maybe been some people that caused some damage, but there's no insurrection. Well, it doesn't matter if you're DOJ, you double down, you double down. You haven't caught the pipe bombers that planted pipe bombs on January 6th at the Republican National Committee and the Democrat Committee. Uh, National Committee, you haven't caught that that that, that guy who's on camera with, uh, I don't know, 100 hours of video I heard today. No, no catching him. Thousand interviews. Can't find him. All the people that rioted in 2020 summer, Black Lives Matter, none of them got, most of them got dismissed. Charges dismissed. Oh, it's too much trouble. It's too much trouble. There's a racial, racial reason. No. In the last 24 hours in Indiana, a couple has been arrested for their part. In being at January 6th, is it, is it 27 months since January 6th? You couldn't figure it out by now. And they're charged with a a couple of misdemeanors and then one felony, some civil disorder felony, which is on there, I'm sure, to make it so that they want to plead because they're talking about years and years and years. Two 38 year olds, a husband and wife who were there. It took you 27 months to get to this point. And the point, my point here is this as soon as they were embarrassed in the last week the fbi and the and the doj said what w- we better do we got some things in the pipeline let's go find some people to arrest let's let's go make sure that we can arrest some more people i mean it's outrageous it's outrageous the idea that we are having people who are um who are being arrested Twenty six plus months later. It's crazy. It's a crazy thing. And it's being done again, political theater. It's political theater is my point. I, I I don't I again I I don't I don't know what kind of uh investigations are being run that are taking this long. You know, they they actually I- indicted the QAnon shaman, the guy with the horns, within seventy two hours of January sixth. They impaneled a grand jury and indicted him so that they could go out and say, look at what we did. And now 27 months later, after it's been exposed, that there's at least questions about how much of that video, how much of the video the, 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 that guy's uh, lawyer saw and others, now they're rushing out and and, and and arresting an Indiana couple. To keep it going, to keep it going. I, again, it, I, I understand that some people truly believe what they've been fed, and what they've been told by the propaganda. But the idea that DOJ is continuing this is deeply troubling. And I have to say, as much as I have enjoyed and and, and appreciated, that's a better word, the pushback from lots of members of Congress, we need more. We need more. This needs to stop. This has to stop. And the only thing that will stop it is for Congress to stop it. And I, I was up on Capitol Hill in the last again, 48 hours. And I said, you ought to take away jurisdiction for January 6th from the D.C. courts, the federal courts in D.C., assign them to you can do this. The, the, the Department, the uh, U.S. Congress could say we're passing a law and the law says if you're charged with anything related to January 6th, the events you, you I'm not saying dismiss the charges. I'm saying charges must be uh, you have the choice to bring it in D.C. or in the place where you're from, your home. Everybody's got a home somewhere and you should be able to do that. Move it there as one. That would be one step to get it out outside of the swamp and the politicized swamp There's many steps, many steps. Anyway, I'm really frustrated by that. And I see close uh, up close how uh, how terrible, how, how uh, ridiculous, how um, problematic the uh, the uh, reality of what's going on is you know what's happening to these families i see the families just devastated so all right that's all we've got thank you as always to noah dingley our great producer uh keeping everything online ryan Hyde helping to associate produce things thank you all for uh tuning in we'll be back tomorrow uh, don't forget visit proamericareport.com proamericareport.com sign up for the daily email there and we will be back tomorrow talk to you then ed martin pro america Report.